Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. At launch, we actually launched the pink tax rebate where all you had to do was tell your friends about the pink tax and we would actually give you money back for all the years you've spent overpaying for pink razors. <laughs> and so, you know, we just wanted to, to make our brand a platform to allow this conversation to happen and to really encourage women to pay attention when they're picking products and try and buy from companies that are treating them fairly. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa, and you're listening to season two of The Females a podcast that deep dives into the world of women, work, and what it takes to build a successful and fulfilling career on your terms. This season will focus on disruption. From disrupting industries to old narratives and definitions of success, and even disrupting new ways of thinking. Today's interview is with Georgina Gooley, the co-founder of Billy and a woman disrupting the pink tax and shaving for women. Shaving companies have always been centered around male narratives, focused on rugged jawlines and age-old masculinity. For many women, we grew up yearning to shave our legs for the first time, taunted by the glossy legs and the message that smooth legs made us goddess-like. On top of this interesting message, we were expected to pay more for our pink, coral, and peach-colored razors. Yep, that's absolutely true, you pay more for a pink razor. Obsessed with advertising and branding from a young age, Georgina recognized that while there had been a disruption in the already crowded men's shaving space, women were still being underserved and overcharged for our own shaving products. Women shouldn't be ignored in the shaving category, nor should we be billed as goddesses for the simple act of shaving our legs. Georgina set out to ditch this idea of the glossy, disembodied leg selling women's shaving products and make her own unforgettable brand. This is how Billy was born. Billy is a female-first shave and body brand aimed towards fighting the pink tax and putting women in an industry where we have remained an afterthought. On this episode, you'll learn where Billy came from, what sets it apart, and how it focuses on women's specific shaving needs without adding that dreaded pink tax. And now, this is The Females. Well, Georgina, tell us about your career path and why you decided to start Billy, which is a female-first shave and body brand. How long did it actually take you to launch Billy from when you had the idea to actually having a product sold? Yeah, so my career path starting from the beginning was 
really, when I was in high school, I became really interested in advertising and branding. Uh, and that really sort of determined what I was going to study when I went to university in Australia. Um, I studied media and communications. And I really loved this idea of, you know, how can we build brands that really resonate with certain audiences that can really build a strong emotional connection. So right after graduating university, I worked at a number of agencies, um, the first one in Sydney, uh, and then I moved to New York at the age of 25 to work at an agency here called BBH. And then after three, after sort of two years in New York, I moved over to Portland, Oregon, where I worked at an agency called Wyden & Kennedy. So throughout my advertising career, you know, was leading campaigns for brands like PlayStation, Cole Haan. I worked on Old Spice when I was at Wyden and Kennedy and really just always fascinated by brands and why understanding why some brands resonate with people and why others fall flat. And when I moved back to New York, that was when I was actually introduced to my co-founder, Jason Bravman. Um, we met through a mutual friend and we were both independently thinking about this space obviously saw there was disruption in the men's shaving space, but really wondering why no one had done this for women. You know, the women's shaving market was very stagnant. And personally, I was shaving with uh, men's razors because I was very aware of this notion of the pink tax, which I can talk about a little bit later. But what we realized was women were really being underserved in this market. So we were overpaying for women's razors um, you know, you're being referred to as a goddess for shaving your legs. <laughs> There's legs flying everywhere in the category. And we really felt that we could provide a service by building a company that, you know, would be great quality products, affordably priced, priced in line with men's products as they should be, um, and delivered conveniently to your door. And so my co-founder and I, we met towards the end of summer of 2016, basically spent 2017 building the company and we launched in November for, in November of 2017. So we're almost at our one year anniversary. Well, and I love that um, if you, everybody should go to her website, mybilly.com because it's, one, it's beautiful, but also I love that you don't have those crazy shiny legs everywhere, as you mentioned, <laughs> because I remember as a kid, first of all, I definitely shaved my legs at a friend's house and my mom, I came home and my mom was like, why did you do that? But also that's when you have the realization that your legs are actually never going to look like the legs on those ads. I have no idea how much, you know, like computer imaging they're doing to make them look like that, but not realistic, which is great that you guys are very realistic about women shaving as well. I'm kind of curious too, you said you were always interested in media and advertising. Was there a brand when you were growing up that you remember being like, they're like, this is a brand. This isn't just an ad. This is like, they do right. this really, really well. Was there someone that you remember that kind of helped create this interest for you? Well, I think, you know, I always look at Nike as a really great brand. They have great products, but they also are very mission driven into and, and sort of they talk about, you know, what we stand for, what we care, what we like, what's our point of view on the world. So that was one as I was growing up. I think now also looking at a brand like Patagonia, mm -hmm. um, again, very mission driven, very, you know, everything that they do 
stems from the values that they have as a company. And so that informs their product development, that informs, you know, how they market, how they talk to customers, their stores, um, and, and just how they exist in the world. Right. I was at a, a conference yesterday and, and they had the founders of uh, Quip Toothbrush and Ring, um, which is like the, uh, the doorbell, not doorbell, but, you know, the door camera and stuff. And all of them were, all these founders are basically saying, if you don't have a mission, it's impossible to stay focused and, you know, and how important that is. And so I, I think those are really great brands, examples that you gave. And they started years ago. And it's like, whether you started years ago or today as a startup, you still have to have that mission. It really is the the guiding light. So um, yeah. that's really it's your It's your DNA. And it's really, it, it helps you make informed decisions rather than just following a trend or, right. you know, launching a product to launch a product. It really sort of forces you to look back at your the framework that you've provided and say like why are we doing this right. like what value is it providing right absolutely so obviously we know that billy is doing things differently but how specifically is billy disrupting the shaving category for women and what makes billy different than the other razors that are out there and like why why do you think women care about that sure so you know what was really perplexing to us, I suppose, is shaving brands are historically created for men. And this was something odd because just as many women are shaving as men, they're shaving just as frequently. Yet if you were looking at the shape, the brands in the shaving category, whether it was sort of your legacy brands, the incumbents, or whether it was the newer startup brands, all of these brands started out as men's brands and then they spun out women's brands from there. Mm-hmm. We couldn't find a company that was sort of female first from the very beginning. And I think what the, you know, the effect of that is really that women were an afterthought in this category. So, you know, whether it came to product innovation, whether it was the pricing, we were paying more for women's razors than men were paying for men's razors whether it was, you know, the communication between the brands and the, and the audience, everything kind of felt like an afterthought. Like we will, we'll crack the men's market first and then we'll do women's. Right. Um, and so that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to come in and say, no, we want to provide a, a service, a product that is fully, has fully women in mind first. And so There are a few things with, you know, the product itself that make it a much more comfortable shave for women. So, for example, um, you know, we have a five-blade cartridge that's completely surrounded 360 degrees with aloe-shaved soap. So women actually shave 10 times the surface area of men. They're often shaving in the shower versus, you know, standing in front of a sink. Usually if you use shave cream, it's like dripping down your leg. Mm -hmm. Um, So this aloe-shaved soap really provides extra lubrication and comfort when when you're gliding sort of over that 10 times the surface area of men and in the shower. It has rounded edges, so when you're going to tight spots like your underarms, it's not poking you. We create, we designed this um, magnetic holder so that you could store your handle um, and razor in the shower because you're not you're usually storing it in the shower versus on the medicine cabinet. And 
And, and we also sort of looked at sort of the spacing between the blades. So obviously hair, shave cream, whatever might come through the blade needs to pass through. And sometimes you can look at a blade and if you can't see spacing in between each of them, um, it gets clogged, mm-hmm. which is difficult because you are shaving again a lot of surface area. So little nuances like that make it a much more comfortable shave for women. We also produced three body care products, a shave cream, a sudsy body wash that you can shave with, and then a lotion. And all of the products we formulated ourselves, they have, you know, really great premium natural ingredients. What we found was on the market, there were a lot of shave creams, but a lot of them had high toxicity. Um, and of course, when you're shaving your legs, you know, your your skin is a little bit more sensitive. So putting bad chemicals or toxins on your skin is just the worst time to do it. So just being really thoughtful about, you know, what that experience is, making sure that it's optimized for the way women shave in the shower, all of those things. And then, you know, making sure that we were pricing it in line with the affordable men's subscription, razor subscriptions, making sure that we were offering free shipping, allowing women to choose the frequency of which they received replacement blades every one, two or three months, knowing that, you know, women don't shave all at the same cadence. Mm -hmm. So everything that we did in terms of building the product, building the business model was very much thinking from the point of view of like, well, I'm a woman, what would I want? Right. And how smart of you, because we're over half the population. So of course, we might have things be different, or we're going to want, you know, if I'm, if I have two choices, and one thing was created 100% with me in mind, why would I not pick that? Um, Which I think is really smart. So you mentioned before this pink tax. And I would love for you to really describe to us what exactly is the pink tax? And how does Billy help combat that? Sure. So The pink tax is this absurd concept that women should pay more for the same product as men. And I was personally aware of the pink tax. Um, Actually, out of principle, I was buying men's razors years for years before Billy existed um, because I didn't want to give these companies more of my money purely because I was a woman. Um, and, And this idea that, you know, it happens, you know, it occurs Razors is one of the poster children, I suppose, for the pink tax, but dry cleaning, personal care, um, you know, fashion, they're all sort of victims of the pink tax as well, I suppose. And really, it's saying that, you know, this concept that a product or a service that's targeted towards women is priced anywhere from 10 to 15% higher for really no good reason other than the fact it's marketed towards a woman. So if you think about you bring in a blouse into your dry cleaner, that material is probably less material than a man bringing in his work shirt, but you're paying more to get that blouse dry cleaned than the man. Mm-hmm. And so we really started researching the pink tax. You know, I was I was personally aware of it and we started researching it and really really realizing that razors were one of the worst offenders of it. So there were articles written about it. We were sort of looking at what people were saying online and there were, you know, there was this very much this anger and frustration around the pink tax. So when it came to building Billy and figuring out what our what price our products should be. It was very simple. There were affordable men's razor subscriptions already on the market. And we just had to make sure that we weren't more expensive. So we we priced ourselves in line with those men's razor subscriptions. And then we went on the back end and made sure that we could make the business work 
um, hitting that retail price. Right. It, it just kind of crazy to me that we know the pink tax exists and yet like the big companies aren't really like, they're basically just saying, yeah, it's out there or like, yeah, we contributed to it. We, we know it happens. It's, I don't, is there some science behind like women will pay more or because women think of self care like, or take self care more seriously than men, they should pay more. I mean, like, is there any science behind why that even happened in the first place? I'm sure they have research to back up, you know, the, the, the fact that they can charge women more for products, you know, whether that, and then the question really becomes, is that right? And is that fair? And, you know, should a pink children's ball cost more than a blue one? Yeah. And so, so that's, it becomes, it comes down to sort of a, you know, a, an ethical <laughs> question if you're running a business. Definitely. Um, and, you know, for us, we felt like, this was something we were super aware of. Um, we wanted to use our brand as a platform to raise awareness of the pink tax and let other women know that this exists. And so at launch, we actually launched the pink tax rebate where all you had to do was spread awareness, tell your friends about the pink tax, and we would actually give you money back for all the years you've spent overpaying the pink razors. <laughs> and so this, you know, we just wanted to, to make our brand a platform to allow this conversation to happen and to really encourage women to sort of pay attention when they're picking products and, and try and buy from companies that are treating them fairly. Right. Well, I can assure you that I'm definitely, next time I go to the dry cleaners, I have some questions <laughs> for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, Keep them honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just, I mean, at least be able to answer why and they, they should be able to answer that. Or, uh, yeah. Okay. So as you had sort of mentioned, we were talking about mission statements before and, you know, the ethics of a company. Well, I know from, I was on your website and Billy has a very strong social mission and you guys donate 1% of all revenue to a woman's cause around the world. And this is not like a completely new concept in the sense that we've seen social missions of other brands like Tom's, Warby Parker, you mentioned Patagonia. And really what we've seen, and there's, there is research to back this up, is that not only do those social missions have a big impact on brand awareness, consumer loyalty, but also the financial bottom line. I'm curious, what impact does the mission have on Billy? And, and, like, and, and I mean that kind of in the more specifics of like, did it help you with your brand awareness? Did it help you with, you know, selling, getting um, attention from the press to sell your first products? I mean, what impact have you seen besides, of course, just doing the right thing? Yeah, I, I think it might be a little early for us to sort of really be able to define what the impact um, of this social mission. For us, really, it was you know, from the very beginning, we wanted to be female first, and we wanted to support all women. And that was core to our DNA. And this was really a way for us to put, you know, money where our mouth is. Right. Um, and the social mission is just one way we're sort of demonstrating our commitment to women. So currently, we're donating to a great organization called Every Mother Counts, and they help women through their pregnancy and childbirth to make that as safe as safe as possible for women around the world and so that you know that is one sort of part of our you know being a, a women's brand but I don't know if I could say it's really you know it, it's sort of one piece of the puzzle versus um, something that really we push to to try and get new customers or new PR. It's not really the point of it. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Hey there, let's take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor, Care Of. At Career Contessa, it's no secret that I'm a creature of habit, especially when it comes to a quick breakfast on the go. I have a long commute, so breakfast on the go has become a regular part of that routine, which is why I was thrilled to be introduced to Care Of. Care Of offers customization to the world of protein powders, so you can take the guesswork out of finding a protein powder that fits your unique lifestyle, health, and diet goals. I started by taking the online quiz to learn more about my protein, fiber, and good fats needs. After a quick round of answers, Care Of provided my protein recommendation, which also incorporated my goals of getting full nutrition, even though I was going to basically be drinking my breakfast from now on. I was also easily able to add individual packets to my order, which makes it easy to travel healthier and even have an afternoon snack that's healthy and personalized to you. And I know protein powders have a reputation for not tasting the best or even having really confusing labels where you can't understand anything on them. Care Of provides honest guidance for their powders made with clean ingredients you can recognize from the best sources like grass-fed cows, vegan plant protein made from organic peas, hemp seeds, and pumpkin seeds. I promise they are delicious and you can taste the natural difference. By replacing my toast breakfast with a protein shake, I'm staying fuller to lunch and creating a foundation for a healthier diet too. Give yourself an extra boost this season, whether you're looking for more energy or just ready to feel your healthiest with 50% off your first order. Go to takecareof.com and enter females at checkout. Again, for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter females, F-E-M-A-I-L-S, and get that 50% off so you can start having your protein powder or shake on the go or that healthier snack. I know you're going to love it. All right, now let's get back to the show. Well, speaking of PR, and you guys have had some great PR, but partly that's also you guys have amazing branding, which is probably not surprising given your background. But I want to transition into branding because this is obviously something that people are thinking about, like you, where they, you know, for career choices, um, where they want to be involved in helping shape brands, but also you know, if somebody is thinking about starting their own company, I just, I'm really fascinated by branding. And clearly you've done an amazing job with it from the website to the fonts, to the company name, to the packaging. I mean, really every detail. So I'm kind of curious, how did you develop the look and feel and, and what did you start with first? Because branding, I also think can be overwhelming to people to think about. Sure. So, I mean, this was, this was a lot of fun, but really how I think of think of a brand is thinking of a brand as a a person and one element is you know what do you look like but the other element is who are you and I think it's important to start with the who are you and then that can inform what you look like and so as we were building the Billy brand we spent a lot of time thinking about you know the values we wanted to build our company around how we were going to communicate those values and how we could design our look and feel to reflect that DNA. And so we had a very clear vision of what we wanted Billy to embody. And we partnered with a really wonderful designer who we continue to work with to bring that vision to life. And so everything that you see on the website, on the Instagram, that was very close to the original concept. You know, we've sort of created new assets as we've launched and launched new campaigns and initiatives. But, um, but sort of the spirit of Billy is, is very much 
core to how we envisioned, you know, if we were a person, what kind of person would we be? And so, you know, thinking of a name becomes, it's, that's a very hard task. And I think we probably went through over a thousand names and ripped our hair out. <laughs> um, but we ultimately ended up really loving this territory of a unisex name. So Billy a hundred years ago was actually, even the way it's spelt with an IE, was actually a man's name. And it's one of those names that has sort of turned from blue to pink. So it's been taken over as a more dominant female name now, even though it started off being a man's name. And we really loved this idea that just as what we're doing with the shaving category, we're sort of taking it from blue and making it more female, that sort of is embodied in our name as well. Yeah, it's, it's a great name. Like you, you've picked a perfect one to align with the brand. I mean, that, I mean, I'm sure when you found it, you were like, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were very excited. And, you know, we wanted a, we wanted Billy to be a celebration of women. So their bodies, their confidence, um, you know, so everything that we do, I mean, we, we are a body care company. So we're showing women's bodies, we're showing skin, um, but we make sure that everything is very much done in a real way and done through the female gaze. So it's never the intention of objectifying women or making them look, you know, overly sexy so that, you know, men are ogling them. It's really about kind of confidence and, and letting, you know, all different types of women, women with body hair, women without body hair, thin women, curvier women, really just a celebration of all types of women um, because, you know, beauty doesn't come in, in, in one size or one look. Right. Absolutely. And, and what was the most challenging part of putting together the brand? I think the most challenging part is honestly when you're sort of building out the strategy and, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can, you know, take your mission or your DNA or, you know, you can say, oh, we want to be all these things. But if you're everything, then you become nothing. Right. Um, and so it's really crystallizing um, what it is you want your brand to stand for. You can't stand for everything. So how do you identify what it what what's that one thing or two things that you want it to you want to be known for? And then once you feel comfortable with sort of that foundation, then, you know, then you explore all the different ways that you can express that through fonts and colors and um, imagery and, and all of that. But it all needs to be grounded in sort of a single foundation. Right. I, I remember for Career Contessa when we were making our style guide that included, you know, the customer personas and we made like full on storylines of who she was, where she right. was in her career. I mean, down to, as you said, her age, her name, you know, we even made up like her, you know, college background, everything. But it's it's what's nice about it is that it does, as you said, like keeps you focused. You can always go back to it. And I think branding, one of the important elements of it is consistency. So as you said, you can't be everything to everybody. You have to sort of pick what you want to be known for. And that includes maybe even like, you know, the colors and the fonts that you want to use and, and be consistent with that. I'm also wondering if you, you know, what advice would you have for someone who works in branding right now or wants to get into branding at a startup? What are like some, some skills or strengths or something they should be studying right now? What's a really valuable skill for them? 
I think um, I think the question you asked me in the beginning, which brands do you admire and why? I think really sort of doing a deep dive into the brands out there and identifying which ones resonate with you and then dissecting why. Right. And I think that's a really helpful exercise because it allows you to, you know, different brands appeal to different people, but it allows you to sort of cement what's important to you, what, you know, what pieces of the puzzle do you want to use as levers and, and how do you kind of craft because you're essentially crafting a world and what, what do you want that world to look like through, through your lens? Right. No, and I think that's an incredible exercise for anybody who's thinking about going into it or wondering if it's you know, a career transition they want to make. That's a really great exercise. So I want to talk about another kind of trend that we've been seeing, um, which is the direct-to-consumer company. And, and Billy is a direct-to-consumer company, and you offer subscription plans for your customers. There's definitely been an increase in this type of business model from, you know, I always think of like the OG like the Netflix and the Hulus, uh, even like the Dollar Shave Clubs, which I know you've mentioned. And then, of course, there's newer companies. Like I think of Rent the Runway has a subscription model, Lola, you know, Ritual Vitamins and more. So we're definitely seeing a, a trend in that. What are the pros and cons of this type of company, the direct-to-consumer company? Yeah, I think, I mean, being a direct-to-consumer company is is wonderful because you have direct access to the customer. So you're learning firsthand on what the feedback is. You're, you're basically, and as a new company, you're building the company along with your customer base. Mm-hmm. There isn't a, you know, we call it a middle woman in between us and the end user. Right. Um, and so, you know, when there's advice and feedback and product ideas, that's all coming back and in real time to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, you know, have the opportunity if people have questions or an issue, we can, you know, we, we offer customer service seven days a week. So whether it's you're texting us or you're emailing us or calling us or writing to us on social media, we're able to, to sort of attend to you straight away, which just doesn't happen if you... If you're a bigger brand and you sell to a drugstore and the customer is buying from the drugstore. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, being a subscription company, um, there's a lot of pros in that as long as, as long as you build your business model in a thoughtful way. So, you know, things like free shipping, allowing the customer to choose how frequently they want to um, receive the product versus just forcing them into sort of this one model. So, you know, I think for us, being a subscription model, being direct to consumer, we really view our relationship with customers as, um, you know, it's a long term relationship. We're not just doing a one off date. It's not yeah. just to, um, a free meal. Um, it's, it's really a marriage. And so what that means is we have to be, you know, super honest, um, put our best foot forward at all times and make sure that we can maintain that long-term relationship with you. It's not, it's not a case of, you know, just going into a drugstore, picking up whatever product and then picking up another product the other time. Like we, we want to make sure that there's, you know, a, a loyalty there. Right. I, I would say, though, that sometimes the con of this is that, well, one, people get into subscription business models where maybe it doesn't make sense. Like it totally makes sense for a razor because you need it yeah. on a consistent basis. But other the other con would be like, OK, how do you convince people to become a subscriber? You know, they that isn't something that's 
been part of their life, which is, sure. you know, subscribing. I mean, was it difficult to get people to kind of opt into a subscription or, I mean, did that just naturally make sense because they, they do use razors fairly often? Yeah, I mean, we found that it, you know, a lot of women when we launched were like, finally, something like this exists. How come the men have like have had this for five years and nothing has existed for us? So that was um, a lot of the feedback we were receiving. In the beginning, actually, we were building our community pretty organically. So, um, you know, for the first month or, you know, month and a half, it was pretty much, you know, PR and word of mouth to spread the word about Billy. And, you know, we find that if, if, you know, if you, if you're able to acquire a customer and they have a really great experience, they, they often tell their friends and their family, and there is a little bit of virality to that. So I think for us, what we just make sure is that the customer, you know, we're providing a really superior customer experience and that's everything from, you know, obviously the product how we're pricing it, how quickly it's getting to them, you know, answering questions um, in real time when they ask them and, and, you know, building, building a brand that speaks to them and that they want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. When you were starting Billy and you knew that people were going to obviously be subscribers, which means every month you need to have, uh, you know, the razors packaged up and ready to go. Was was that part challenging? I mean, obviously, you had to design a really great razor, but then you also had to make sure that, you know, it got to people on time and that, the you know, if they asked for it to come every two weeks, like, th- there weren't mistakes. I mean, the logistics yeah. of that, was, was that part challenging? Because I don't know if you had a background in the logistics and manufacturing and things like that. Yeah, no, I, I didn't have um, a background in that. So we partnered actually with a really great company that had vast experience in this and was able to sort of hit the ground running from the very beginning. Um, because, yeah, that's the thing we, you know, from the very beginning, we wanted to make the customer happy. So we wanted to tell for them to tell us how frequently they wanted replacement blades delivered and that's every one two or three months so there is a lot of back end making sure that you know you Lauren you want it every two months you're not getting it every month like Allison right right (laughs) so from the Billy's team dedication to building the best product and brand to the diehard customers as you said who are who share the Billy message far and wide which I completely agree if you build a great product you know, word of mouth is, there's nothing stronger than word of mouth. But I'm curious for, from your point of view, what does it take for a brand to be embraced in today's competitive landscape, both by employees who, you know, can work at a lot of cool companies, but also from customers who at some point, um, whether you have competitor, direct competitors already or not, like that will happen. So what does it take to really be not just kind of a little bit embraced or like be liked, but be loved by people? Yeah, I think, authenticity is the most important thing being very clear on who you are and you know backing up the reasons of why you're doing things and the decisions that you've made and hopefully that attracts similar type of people or people who can appreciate sort of what you're building and so you know I think I mentioned this before but for me a brand is much more than just a font or a color palette it's really defining who you are and what you stand for and, you know, I think if, if you're confident with, with who you are and what that is, that will attract other people. And so both employees and customers. And so, you know, being a very mission driven company, that's really helped us with 
recruiting actually. So a lot, a many like many of our employees were actually inbounds who you know wrote into us and said, "Would love to be a part of what you're building. Would you you know consider a role for me?" And I think that's just a testament of you know what we're building. People want to be part of it. Right, right. Well, and I think that's important too for companies hiring because they ideally want the employee who is not just driven by the paycheck and, okay, I, I really want to work on this project so it makes my resume look great. It's like, I want someone who is super passionate about what we're doing and why we're doing it. And I do think people are starting to think about not just job fit, but company fit and, and you know, that value fit, so to speak. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's how I would think, you know, often, often it just comes down to like, what would make you happy and what kind yeah. of company would you <laughs> like to work for and and if you just think about it in in a very human term versus you know companies and brands and all of that I think it just simplifies it and it says oh I would want to work for that company or that job would make me happy to come in every day you know right totally hey there let's take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor LinkedIn you all know how much I love LinkedIn right Whether I've been job searching, a recruiter, or even a business owner, I've always relied on LinkedIn and I've gotten a ton of value out of the platform. And speaking of relying on LinkedIn, can we chat about hiring for your business? When it's time to hire, you naturally want to find the best person for the job. And odds are that person is probably on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn Jobs makes it super easy to get matched with quality candidates who make the most sense for your role. That's because LinkedIn Jobs uses knowledge of both hard and soft skills to match you with people. I've personally used LinkedIn as a hiring manager, and I really loved that I was able to filter candidates for skills and backgrounds, of course, but I was also able to filter for their interests, activities, and passions. I mean, what other job site lets you do that? I also love that when you're using LinkedIn Jobs, you're sourcing from a pool of candidates who are genuinely interested in their career advancement. The more engaged candidates are with LinkedIn and the other tools that they have on there, the more LinkedIn learns about them as a candidate. All of that helps LinkedIn better understand what candidates want in their future role, and that allows you to make hiring decisions on so much more than just a paper resume. I know hiring can be stressful, But with LinkedIn Jobs, you can really focus on the candidates you want to spend time talking to and make a quality hire that's great for you and also really great for the employee. It's no wonder customers rate LinkedIn Jobs as number one in delivering quality hires. You can get started with building your dream team by posting a job today at linkedin.com backslash females and get $50 off your first job post. Again, that's linkedin.com backslash females, F-E-M-A-I-L-S, and get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. All right, now let's get back to the show. So we hear so much about successful people's morning routines, but you're very dedicated to a bedtime routine, I read. So (laughs) I'd love if you could tell us about this routine and how it helps you in your work and life just to have this bedtime ritual. Yeah, so I'm one of those people that carries their day into their dreams. <laughs> and so if I don't unwind properly, you know I'll be dreaming about, you know, what's happening tomorrow and my to-do list yeah, and say the to-do you know, list. all the issues that I need to deal with. 
So I do try and break up the day um, between with my bedtime or unwinding routine. And it's and it's very simple, but it's just it enables me to sort of mentally, I suppose, check out and kind of go into sleep with a calmer state of mind. So I am one of those people that showers to wake up and then showers to unwind. <laughs> so I shower twice a day. Um, but my unwinding routine is um, I jump in a hot shower. I usually will have a cup of peppermint tea or herbal tea afterwards. And then I like to put just some essential oil on my pulse points or either that or spray um, like a facial mist on my face. And that's almost just a ritualistic behavior, but it's sort of something in me sort of ticks that like, right, it's time for bed and it's time to just sort of quieten everything down and quieten down my thoughts. Try not to look at any emails when I'm sitting in bed um, and just sort of drift off. Right. Well, I'm sure that's challenging because you are a startup founder. <laughs> so <laughs> you can probably yeah. at least hear the 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 you know the beep or the vibration yeah. um I'm surprised you didn't say I shave my legs <laughs> at night at uh, night I shave my legs in the morning I'm a daily shaver but um yeah the morning routine is a little bit it is me looking at emails and my calendar before I've even put in my contact lenses <laughs> yeah it's like you're all business in the morning and at night yeah. you're like I get to check out and I'm just kind of curious because I Every time I think about starting a nighttime routine, I basically want to start this routine at 10 p.m. And then I'm like, oh, gosh, by the time I'm done with this, I'll go to bed so late. I'm, I mean, right. what time do you go to bed? Like, what, like, when is this routine happening? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty quick routine, to be honest. So you can probably get it all done in 15 minutes. But I try and, I try and go to bed between 10.30 and 11.00. That's great. I, I like the detail just because, you know, we all want to know how how much sleep are these people actually getting and slash, you know, how are they doing it? And I think it's also funny when you say it's a pretty quick routine. It's like you could replace your 15 minutes of scrolling on Instagram easily to have something that winds you down and calms your head. And I I mean, I definitely relate to the, the to-do list that's going in on your head or going around in your head while you're like, okay, I really actually need to go to sleep <laughs> so that I can get this to-do list done tomorrow. Right. Um, and, and I'm one of those people that sleep is, I, I think sleep is very important to your performance. And so if I'm not getting, you know, uh, enough sleep, I find that I'm not performing as well the next day. So I do try and I do try and maintain the quality of sleep. Right. Well, I hope everyone has been inspired to try a nighttime routine because, uh, you know, we're so obsessed with morning routines, but it's true. It's you really need to, to calm the head or calm your mind before you go to sleep. So I want to move into some rapid fire questions. And these are essentially where you can answer one word or one sentence, but they're meant to be quick. So let's start with your favorite Billy product and favorite non-Billy product. So favorite Billy product, Sudsy Body Wash. Um, and I also am a huge, huge fan of our magnetic holder for the razor handle. Um, Non-Billy product, I really love this Japanese facial oil at the moment. It's called, the brand is Amaki, but um, I've been using it at night and it's lovely. Mm, another addition to your bedtime routine. Now. Yeah. <laughs> What's the biggest lesson learned from running your own company? Don't let perfection get in the way of progress. So there'll be a thousand reasons why you're not quite ready to start a new project or launch a company. And, um, you, you know, you can, you can tell yourself you're not there yet, but my advice is just start. Starting is the hardest bit and then you can figure out the details along the way. I completely agree. 
Um, one thing you're trying to learn or improve right now is? How to work from the center. So not getting too affected by the highs and the lows that come with running a company. That is really, really smart. I'm sure that's also very challenging, but I like, I love that you, I've never heard anyone like put a name to it before. So I love that you said working from the center because you're right. Entrepreneurship, I've heard, I, I repeat this a lot, but someone told me once entrepreneurship, you have high highs and low lows and they all happen in the same hour. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it's a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> have to have a strong stomach. Exactly. And lastly, how do you plan to disrupt your career in 2019? Yeah, so you know, we're growing quickly as a business and as we scale the business, our team will continue to grow, so just making sure that the dynamics of the team continue to stay strong, but you know, I won't be as involved in every little bit and so making sure that I, you know, going from execution to taking on a more managerial role within the company, that that is that will be the focus of 2019. That's great. Well, thank you, Georgina, for joining us today. Um, it was fantastic to hear the story of Billy. I personally love Billy. I also just, you know, your, your experience with branding, I think is really fascinating. You've clearly have hit a nerve with your product, your mission, and how you're doing everything. So congratulations to you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here. It was, it was great. That was Georgina Gooley, the co-founder of Billy and a woman disrupting the pink tax and shaving for women. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to The Females and leave us a review. We're so grateful to hear from you, our listeners. Ready for more smart career advice? Sign up for our free 28-day career kickstart via the link in the show notes or head over to careercontessa.com. You'll get one email a week that includes everything you need to uplevel your career. It's free and it can totally change your life. I'll be back next Tuesday with our final episode of season two with Reshma Sajani, founder of Girls Who Code and author of Brave Not Perfect. But until then, you can follow us on at careercontessa on Instagram, share this episode with your work wives and Instagram community with hashtag the females podcast, and listen to this sneak peek of next week's episode. So I think so many of us have dreams and things that we want to do. We talk ourselves out of them. We watch other people do it and succeed. And it leaves us with regret and envy. Mm-hmm. So what I also say is go to where your envy is. Right. Like I can celebrate these amazing women running for Congress and winning. Because even though I didn't win, I tried. But I'll tell you this, I'm being honest, if had I never tried, I wouldn't even be able to turn on CNN. Right. You know, like, because you would be envious that they have it. Because I would be envious. Mm -hmm.